Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great truth with these, which these children have just sung. What a friend we do have in Jesus. And we thank you that in such a, an amazing day as this, that we may bring to him the concerns of our heart and know that he cares infinitely more than we are aware of and that he can make a blessing and a solution to every single need. Not only these great needs that exist in the minds and hearts of those who have suffered so terribly the grief from the news from Kenya, not only the needs that exist in the great land of Korea where that testimony for Jesus is being born, but the needs that exist in our own land and in our own church for a need of a real revival. And we pray that it may come. And we pray that you will bless us this day as we open your word and seek its truth and its application to our lives so that we may be faithful to him no matter what the rest of the world does. We ask you to bless us and to receive our gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. I, w I am engaged in a series of sermons on They Met Jesus, and I am seeking to look this morning and to bring your attention to a miracle within a miracle that takes place and to make an application of it to each of our lives and hearts. Uh, I have called this sermon The Touch That Heals. There were many people that touched Jesus that day. In fact, the Greek word is very instructive when I read this passage of Scripture to you. Uh, the, the crowds that pressed him, it literally means were suffocating him. That they, it was a choking crowd. So many people touched him, probably far more than are here in Gaither Chapel. And yet only one person was healed. The touch of faith. And Jesus returned, that is, he comes back to Capernaum. And the multitude welcomed him, for they had been waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet and began to entreat him to come to his house. Here is a Jew who is president director of the synagogue who knows all of the rumors that have been spread about Jesus and that there is already opposition to Jesus but who also knows that Jesus has the power to heal and this ruler of the synagogue happens to be a father as well and today is Father's Day and if your little 12-year-old girl was sick and to the very point of death and you knew that Jesus was coming into Montreat and that you could go to him and ask him to come to your house 
you would forget your pride, you would forget the rumors, you would forget everything if you were the father that you ought to be except the one great fact that God is love and that God is concerned and that his son has the power to meet the needs of your little daughter. And so this Jewish president of the synagogue puts aside all of the prejudice that might have been in his heart about Jesus. And he puts away from his mind all of the pride that might have been against the touch of faith and of healing that Jesus could bring. And he goes to Jesus. And let me tell you this, when you suffer, if you go to the doctor this week and he looks at you and sends you to the x-ray room and you come back, and he has to put those things up on the wall and he shows you that cloud and he says, that's cancer. I wish that I could offer you some help. We know that in a certain percentage of cases that chemotherapy works. We know that in certain other cases surgery may help. But in your case it's spread far too widely. There's nothing that can be done. We can give you something to make you comfortable for a while, but there's really nothing that we have to offer. I wish that we did. I'll tell you one thing. You'll pray, and if some television evangelist asks you to reach out and touch the television set, if you're hurting enough, you'll even reach out and touch it, Presbyterian or not. I know. I have. I hurt, and I wanted to be helped. I don't know whether I got healed by it or not, but I know one thing. I tried it, and you'll try it too when you hurt bad enough. Now then, this man put all of his pride aside, and he went to Jesus. There came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet, and he entreated. That's a, a big word for begged. He begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, the same length of time that little girl had lived, for 12 years, a hemorrhage a bleeding condition that meant that she was ceremonially unclean. Ceremonially, she could not go into the temple. A terrifying thing. And yet this secret cross which she had to bear, which was so loathsome to her own heart, she knew that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by and that there, was that there were rumors that people had been healed and she wanted to be healed. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone. Luke says he could not be healed by anyone because Luke is a doctor. <laughs> Mark tells us that he's... That, uh, uh, she had spent all of her money on many physicians and was not helped, but was rather worse. 
you see the point? Uh, <laughs> I got a son who's a doctor, and the doctors can try. That's all they can do. And that's all the preachers can do, too, when they come and pray for you. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, the hem of his garment, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. She was healed immediately. The touch that heals. Now, who in the congregation today needs some healing for some special burden, for something that's hard for you to bear? Here we have an opportunity to study a case history. Young doctors learn through an internship period in which they look at individual cases under the supervision of an older doctor who can instruct and help them. Here we have an opportunity to look at an individual case. This woman who in very imperfect faith, it's a superstitious sort of faith, says if I can only get close to him and just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be healed. She is desperate. And so she comes to him. And we may thank God for that hem of Jesus' garment, which is a point of contact with him. What's the point of contact with you today? Is it coming to church inside this chapel where God has spoken to people before? Is it the reading of this passage from the Bible that tells us of what Jesus has done and that his touch has not lost its ancient power, that no word from him can fruitless fall? Is it the lovely hymn that was sung so beautifully a moment ago, Spirit of God, descend upon my heart? Is it a hymn that says, I ask no dream, no prophet's ecstasy, no sudden rending of this veil of clay, but what I ask is that you take the dimness of my soul away. And if we are willing, then we may make that point of contact, that hem of his garment, and we may touch it today, and we may know his healing power. She came up behind him, touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? The Negro spiritual, there's a grand old Negro spiritual that says, Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. Oh, I wonder if somebody is going to touch him this morning. How wonderful it would be if just one person would really touch Jesus in this service this day.
through the life of a young man sacrificed in Kenya for the cause of Christ? Does that make you want to pray any more for missions? Does that make you think that there's more to church than a mimeograph machine and a telephone and bulletins handed out and envelopes, but that there is an importance to communicate the saving message of the Lordship of Christ to people who are around about us in the beauty shop or the barber shop or the neighbor or the people that we see in factories and talk to. Wherever we go, do we really think that it's important that we speak to another person about Jesus Christ? We need to know the urgency of speaking for him. This past week I had the privilege of listening to a tape of the Founders Week uh, uh, preaching mission at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And Dr. George Sweetie uh, gave a brilliant lecture that was carefully documented on the life of Dwight Lyman Moody. And he told many interesting things that I had not heard before uh, because he had opportunity to research letters that were not available to other people and he was speaking to people who already knew a lot about Mr. Moody anyway, and uh, there were many things that he brought out. How did this young boy born out in the country from uh, Boston uh, in Massachusetts had moved into Boston when he was 16 to work for uh, uh, an uncle who ran a boot and shoe store, and how when he applied for membership in the church, that the church turned him down because he couldn't say what was a Christian, who is a Christian. He couldn't give a satisfaction. He didn't know one shred of the Bible. He didn't know any Bible verses. But there was a Sunday school teacher who saw his need and wouldn't give up on him, and Edward Kimball went to see him, and he walked in the back of that boot and shoe shop. And Mr. Moody said himself later that when he came in, he didn't know who was shaking the worst, the Sunday school teacher or himself, because the man wanted to ask him to give his life to Jesus Christ. The pitiful thing was that Mr. Moody didn't know how, and the Sunday school teacher was able to tell him how. And in the back of that shoe shop, they got down on their knees, and that Sunday school teacher told him, him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out, said Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. And Mr. Moody did ask Jesus to come into his heart the best he knew how. And Jesus did come into his heart. And then he moved to the city of Chicago. Chicago only had 80,000 people at the time he moved there. And when he went there, he tried to join a church, and again he was turned down uh, because they didn't know whether he had enough knowledge either. They were a little stricter about church membership then. And uh, uh, they dealt with him, and finally he was admitted into the church, and he asked for the privilege of teaching a Sunday school class, and he taught a Sunday school class with such fantastic success that he had finally so many people coming to his Sunday school class that some of the other people in the church got jealous. You wouldn't believe that had happened, would you? 
but it, <laughs> they did because so many people were coming to to Mr. Moody, this this man who gave all that he was to the Lord. And you know how much there was of him? Five feet eight, two hundred and eighty pounds. He was a little roly pony. And <laughs> But all that he had he gave to Jesus. They called him Crazy Moody because he, he rented a, a pony and he would ride up and down the slum districts of Chicago getting the little children to follow him until finally his Sunday school got so big and the other people got so jealous that some of the elders said, why don't you start your own Sunday school? Mr. Moody said, good, I think I will. <laughs> and so he went out and rented a beer hall rolled out the beer kegs uh, after Saturday night, swept the floors, and finally had a thousand young people coming to his Sunday school. He got visited in, in, in 1860 by a tall, gaunt man by the name of Abraham Lincoln. James Farley, one of the great merchants, became the treasurer of that Sunday school. Mr. Lincoln came to attend. And Moody, in his characteristic way, and one of the, all these children, a thousand young people in that Sunday school class, and Lincoln was observing it. And right at the close of the service, Mr. Moody stood up and he said, uh, we have the president-elect of the United States of America with us this morning. He does not want to speak, but I'm sure he would like to say something. <laughs> Preachers have been known to do that. And, and uh, Mr. Lincoln did get up and he spoke. Well, that amazing man, what I'm telling you here is uh, he, uh, imperfect faith when used with all of your energy and devotion, God will honor, God will bless, and he does bless here. And so what happens is that this woman is healed, and Jesus says, someone touched me, and <laughs> while they were denying it, the disciples were saying, well, we didn't touch you. Peter, who can always depended upon, be depended upon to take one foot out of his mouth and put the other foot in. Uh, Peter is the only one who would rebuke his Lord. He said, Master, crowds are crowding around you, and you ask, who touched me? And look what Jesus says. Jesus said, but someone did touch me. In a very special way, someone touched him. For I was aware that power had gone out of me. Now, there's a little chunk of Isaiah 53 in that. Because Isaiah 53 says that he bore our infirmities. Infirm, an infirmary is where you take sick people. He bore our infirmities. He felt power go out of him that healed this woman. It cost him something to see her healed. It cost to take the gospel of Jesus to a remote tribe in Kenya. It cost the life of a young man. The gospel is costly. There are people hurting today because of that cost. Does your faith in the Lord Jesus cost you anything? 
Have you really given your life to him in such a way that he is Lord over your life? Then Jesus calls for the woman, I have to conclude, and when the woman came and saw that she could not escape notice, trembling she fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, and I don't know of another place in the Bible where he uses this particular word, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He honored her imperfect faith. Just as he honored Moody, give as much of yourself as you know how to give to as much of him as you understand and he will cause you to grow from that. He will cause you to grow from that. There are people who have asked why. Why did Jesus want this woman to confess him publicly? She wanted him to confess him publicly because he wanted her to know that there was nothing magic in the cloth of his robe. And so he summons her forth to tell her whole story before that crowd. If he had permitted her to go away in the crowd having not done this, she would have thought there was something magic about his cloak and that that was the secret of it all. And she would never really have been sure of Jesus, of his love. But now she's sure because he spoke to her so affectionately and told her in her trembling and in her fear to go in peace. So he had her make a confession of her faith. He wanted her to know that. She went away learning a lesson about his love, a lesson about his love that she could keep forever, and a lesson that speaks to us today that he cares about us in our imperfect faith too, and that he wants us to know that he still has the power to heal and the power to bless. We can reach out and touch him. The throng was pressing against him and got no blessing. The woman in her imperfect faith touched him and was healed. And then he goes on to Jairus' house. And there they ridiculed him when he said the little maid who was dead was asleep. You remember when Lazarus died, Jesus said he is asleep. But Jesus brought that little maid back to life again. And Mark gives a little Aramaic there, Talithi Kumi. It's an affectionate little thing, uh, word that he uses like my little one, or uh, it's a a diminutive affectionate term, uh, like my little one, get up. And she arises. And they had tried to ridicule. So don't be bothered if people scorn or ridicule. That's a weapon the devil often uses about your faith. Now, which group are you in? The crowd that presses 
Are you here with the touch that heals? Think about your own life and the things that we need in our family. This is Father's Day. What do I need to be a better father? Am I willing to touch Jesus through his word and to seek instruction from it? Not to provoke my children to wrath? Am I willing to set for them an example of goodness that they can safely follow? Am I willing to be the kind of person that I, I want them to be, to show them a love for Jesus Christ that's not just a churchianity but a personalized faith in the living, risen Lord? If I am, then this morning it will have been well worth it to have come to church because we will have seen him. I've put many things in the bulletin which I hope that you will take home and look at sometime today. Nobody is healed just to be happy. We are saved that we may, we are, we are healed that we may, we are saved that we may serve. The garments that Jesus wore are gone. We know that they gambled for his robe at the foot of the cross. Their wearer has been crucified, and what testimony has she to bear for Christ to the children of disappointment and disease? She would have had no power for witness-bearing. She could never, never had cried to the weary or broken people. Now she would never talk of magic, this woman. She would talk of the wonderful welcome she had gotten. She would talk of the love that streamed on her poor heart, which was better than the healing of her body. If she had stolen away, she would have had her gift, but she would never have known the giver. For that, she had to stand forth and confess. The healing of his seamless dress is by our beds of pain. We touch him in life's throng and press, and we are whole again. Let us bow in prayer. O oh God, our Father, the greatest possible thing that could come from this service today is that some of us should go out of this building with a renewed faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that we want to be more than just in the throng, that we want to be of those who touch him, and who know the power that he brings to us. Not just because we want healing selfishly, but because we want to serve him better. Our faith needs healing. Our whole testimony to thee needs healing. And we pray that you will restore us and make us what we ought to be. We thank you for that sweet woman who came and touched him. And we ask that from the inspiration of that act of faith, we may keep on touching and knowing his healing power. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our keeper and guide, be and abide with us all now and forevermore.